Welcome to Real Estate Rewind, the podcast that takes you back to where it all started. Nick Baldwin talks to top producers from all levels and brokerages in real estate about how they built the businesses they have now and achieved success through failure. Now, here's your host, Nick Baldwin. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Rewind. I'm your host, Nick Baldwin, and every week I sit down with top real estate agents for a conversation about how they overcome obstacles on their way to success. And today I'm sitting down with Krista Schrader. Krista is an agent based out of Southwest Michigan. She runs the Schrader Group alongside her husband, Luke Schrader. And with their team, they're ready to dominate and change the lives of agents and their clients. Her husband got into the business six years ago and she jumped in and when she found she enjoyed the platform real estate gave, not just to help people find a place to call home, but to help contribute to the community personally and professionally. Krista believes strongly that the only roadblock to success is truly your own mind. And she knows it from her own life experiences. She believes being given the challenge to overcome is an opportunity to show others that they can overcome anything and she's always willing to share her story to do just that. She's very passionate about having an abundant mindset and believes the real estate industry is at its best when we believe there's a place at the table for everyone, creating ways to improve the customer experience by brainstorming together. Krista, I'm so happy that you are on Real Estate Rewind with me. It's super exciting. Thank you so much for being here. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. My pleasure. So let's just jump right into the nitty gritty. I want to know about why. The first question I always ask everyone is, first of all, why did you decide to get into real estate? I mean, we touched upon it a little bit in your bio, but delve a little bit deeper into why real estate. Why did you choose that career? Yeah. So actually, I always thought I was supposed to be a photographer because I was really good at art. And so I just kind of got into photography and I realized just because I took good pictures didn't necessarily mean people were just going to line up just because I took good pictures. And so I learned that if I was going to sell my pictures, I actually had to market my pictures. So along the way of doing that, I started actually realizing I hated taking pictures and absolutely loved kind of, you know, selling the whole deal of why you should buy my pictures and getting out there in front of people and networking. So I actually ended up realizing I liked sales more than I actually liked taking the pictures. And as you know, my husband was already in real estate and I saw what he was doing and just saw a lot of ways I could implement my creativity into that. And so I hopped in and of course the additional comments that you said in my uh, bio there, but it just looked like a really fun job to be doing. Well, let's be honest. I know Luke and I'm pretty sure that you jumped in because you're like, Luke, 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 listen, I got to show you how it's done. That's yeah, probably, this is how you do it. I mean, listen, <laughs> between you and I, that was probably the real reason. Okay. <laughs> so, so you were a photographer. Do you, do you, do you take photos of your own listings or do you hire professionals to do that now? I mean, you're professional, but do you yeah. hire someone else to do that? I do hire somebody else to do that. When you, when you become a professional, you kind of look at things like, where can I save time when it's appropriate? So, you know, as a real estate agent, it doesn't make sense for me to go spend time to take those pictures anymore, which I know some people like to do. But, you know, how are you spending time lead generating and things like that if you're not paying for your pictures? There's little, little things you do 
to hire it out to somebody else for it to make more sense for you to get more business later. So it's always worth it to hire the professional or else you're going to be spending hours doing something you're not actually good at. And it's not going to help your sellers. They deserve the best. So you should always hire a professional photographer. So I love that you went that way because you're leveraging your time. You're leveraging other professionals who are good at what they do. So you can spend more time growing your business and serving your customers and giving red carpet treatment. Absolutely. And and as a photographer, I know what a good photographer looks like. So, you know, I'm not just hiring anybody. So find somebody that you connect with well, that, you know, does a good job and you can have a peace of mind, which in, in and of itself is worth it really. So that leads me to a question that I was going to save for later, but since we brought it up, I want to ask you now. So we talked about leverage, right? You're leveraging uh, photography so you can spend more time servicing your clients and getting more business, even though you were a professional photographer. What other systems and people are you guys now growing your business with? Because I know that you, you know, you're only in the business maybe a year so far, right? Right. With, With your husband. So what systems and people are you now bringing in to help grow your business? So I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, We don't have very many systems as far as the ones you would typically know. We actually really believe in coaching being a big thing because you can pay people all day long to do things for you as obviously there's professional photographers, there's CRMs, all that kind of stuff. But if you don't know the bare basics And if you don't sharpen your own skills, you will be paying more than it's worth half the time for things that you could be doing on your own naturally until you get to a certain point where it makes sense to hire in those pieces. So my husband and I, we use a dialer called Espresso Agent. Uh, We dial Bisbos, expireds, those kind of things every single day. But we actually paid coaches like Barino, for instance, Uh, We paid, we're actually in um, Listing Mastery with Jeff Glover through Glover U. Uh, So like those actually launched our business. So for a small payment, really, because you can make it back pretty quick with coaching, right? If they're a good coach, you're going to make it back. So it's not really a leap of faith as much as it is you're going to make it back later if you follow exactly what they say. Well, not just the coach being a good coach, right? They also have to, it's also someone to hold you accountable too. So absolutely, yeah. They got to be a good coach and they've got to be on your ass and making sure you're doing the work. And the argument that I hear all the time is we don't need coaches. We don't need coaches. But like what it comes down to is if we were able to hold ourselves accountable, then we would. But typically as a human race, we're really not. Well, and here's the other flip side. So like, I know this is a very common question because people will ask us what we're doing. And then we get to the point where we're telling them, well, we're with some coaches and They're like, well, how good are they? And it's like, well, you know, it kind of depends. Are you someone who's able to hold yourself accountable? Like if they tell you to go on the phones for X amount of hours and hit X amount of contacts, if they tell you, no, send it like this, are you going to literally listen to them? Because we can blame coaches, but you can't blame them if you're not doing what they're asking you to do. So while it's like, yeah, you want a good coach that understands, which we made sure our coaches understood where we were coming from. And as you know, Jeff himself is still in the industry, really. But you know, you you have to understand that you're accountable for your own actions. And if you're not going to do what they ask you to do, it's pointless. Don't even pay for it. 
No, I agree with you 100%. Totally, yeah. totally. So let, let's back up a little bit because yeah. I want people to know your story, right? So Chris right. is one of those people who I had on the show because we hear a lot of agents, they just get into serious victim mode. They complain about everything, you know, their life, this, that, and the other, you know, everything's going wrong. There's always something that's getting in the way, right? So what you have to understand about Krista is she's been in the business just about a year. She and her husband are on track to do 50 transactions or 75? You this said you have to up your book. looking like it's going above that. Okay. So her, you know us, we're overachievers. So. Yeah. Her goal was 50 transactions, but now they have to up it to 75, which is fantastic. But I want you to tell your story. So talk to me about what happened to you a couple years ago. Was it two or three years ago? I guess it was two now. Two Almost years ago? Maybe, it might have been three. It okay, feels so like two, yesterday, you know? <laughs> yeah. So two, three years ago, something, Krista almost lost her life. And I want you guys, I want you to tell everyone what happened. I want them to understand your story and how you bounced back and you're just on fire. So take us back to when that, when that happened to you. Yeah. So I was, I had just had our youngest actually, who is two now. So it was two months after I had her and I was, you know, trying to tuck our oldest into bed and I realized I had this really bad head pain. It was so bad. And I actually at the time didn't even know what a migraine was, but it turns out that part was a migraine. Uh, so I went into my bedroom, told my husband, like, you know, I have to lay down. I, I really don't feel okay. And he was kind of concerned. He's like, okay. And so I'm laying down there and I just feel really funky and all of a sudden, my right arm and leg kind of start tingling. And I start realizing they're kind of going numb. So I told my husband, you know, hey, like I called for him, I need help. So he comes in the room and he asks me a question. I don't quite remember what he asked me. And I tried to respond to him. And in my mind, what I was saying made sense. And he was saying, Krista, I don't understand what you're saying. What are you trying to say? And my face started to kind of, you know, do the melted ice pop slide down my face type thing. And my husband instantly freaked out, you're having a stroke and like called the ambulance. And as the ambulance was coming, I remember, you know, I, I was very confused, but there was a big fear in me that felt like, you know, this is so bad. I need to make sure I say goodbye to my kids. So that was kind of the biggest thing on my mind at that point, even through all that was, oh my gosh, you know, I might not come home. So I need to make sure they get to say goodbye to me. So of course, I, you know, got to say bye to them kind of while I was still semi, semi coherent and stuff, just, you know, have a good night, you know, that kind of thing. And the ambulance wheeled me away. They wheeled me into the hospital. So once I got to the hospital, you know, they wheeled me into a trauma room, looked just like out of ER, if you can kind of picture it. And off to the right of me, there was actually a clock counting down from 15 because they determined, and this is something that was explained to me later, they determined that when you have a stroke, there's a certain time limit that you have before they can no longer help you. And apparently I had 15 minutes. Uh, wow. Okay. Which is insane to think about, which they did say like, you know, you have 15 minutes and we have to administer this medicine. So if you can imagine for a moment, just realizing you have 15 minutes possibly left on the planet. Can you tell me, like, honestly, 
what goes through your head when they tell you that? Well, that, and that was what was crazy. So the way they told me pretty much was, Mrs. Schrader, we we believe you're having a stroke and we need to administer this TPA. And we just have to let you know that one in 24 people, I believe was their statistic that they told me have an issue with this medicine, which when you're laying there, that doesn't sound very good. They said, if you get a brain bleed, we have to operate, we have to do brain surgery. And I just started completely sobbing and calling for my husband who was sitting in the room because I was 23 years old at the time. And a 23 year old having a stroke wasn't something that you even really hear about. And I just was freaking out. So basically what happened, they told me, okay, we have to wheel you away. We have to bring you up to get an MRI. So they told me I had to say bye to my husband, basically, which I didn't know if I was going to see my husband again. So, you know, I, I said, I love you. And then they wheeled me away. And then they said, hey, you know, you're, you're in a good place. We're going to try everything we can, which by the way, at the same time, the neurologist was coming in by car FaceTiming to see how I was doing because he was very concerned about my condition. So as I'm in the elevator, I'm looking up at, you know, those terrible lights they have <laughs> in the elevator. And I'm just like, like, I'm just thinking about my life. I'm like, is this like, you know, this is it, I guess. This is like the last thing is I'm going to see. And then I started thinking over like, what have I done? And all I kept hearing in my mind was I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to. And then I was like, holy crap, I didn't. I kept talking about it. I kept wanting to do it. I kept saying I was going to do it. And I just didn't do the things that I had always dreamed of because I just felt like I wasn't ready. And I, it was a terrible, terrifying feeling. Like I'm going to die and I didn't do anything. I had kids and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't do anything impactful with my life like I wanted to. And so it was horrible feeling. So they wheel me up into the MRI. They do their tests and, you know, actually the symptoms are starting to go away. So they're like, okay, maybe the medicine is working. They wheel me into the ICU. I'm in there for two, three days. And then on the third day, the neurologist comes in and says, you know, there's no damage on the MRI from your stroke. So I don't think you had a stroke. So we're like, oh, cool. Like I didn't have a stroke. That's great. Cool. Like when do I get out of here? And he was like, well, I think you had something that I think is called, which is <laughs> great. I think it's called a complex migraine. I've heard about it from a colleague. Okay. Mm. Which at the time we didn't think too much about it. We were like, okay, like complex migraine. Migraines are normal. Like we hear about them all the time. Then he goes, so they discharge you with a paper, usually explaining your condition and like, you know, how to combat it. And he told me I probably wouldn't ever experience it again. But he goes, you're going to have to actually go home and Google what it is, because unfortunately, we don't have any files on what you have. And He's then, like, you're, you're going to have to just call Dr. Google. Dr. Google this. Wow. <laughs> and we, we kind of like my heart kind of dropped a little because like, what are you like? <laughs> Nobody that even makes, is really understanding it. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. So the following months, I did I did okay the first month. And then the second month, I got it every two weeks, then every week. And soon I was getting it every 24 hours, basically, where I couldn't even do things like, I mean, again, I'd had my daughter, wasn't able to even hold my daughter. My husband had to keep rushing home. 
Um, it was really bad. We actually thought he was going to have to quit real estate at one point because I kept going back to the hospital, back to the hospital, back to the hospital. None of the, as, as amazing as doctors are, none of the doctors had a real solution for me there. So I just kept going, going back there for no answers and being sent home, which was medical bills. So we were getting hammered there. I wasn't able to be a mom really. It was heartbreaking. I was couch bound and slurring and, you know, it was just, it was a horrible experience during that. Well, I, I do remember, I do, because I've known Luke a little longer than I've known you. I mean, I didn't know him personally, but I knew him from Facebook and I didn't know you because you weren't in real estate yet. But I do remember he did, ha- did, he did have to take a year off, right? Yeah, basically he was, I mean, unless it was something that he absolutely had to be in for. And then I'll be honest with you, other people actually had to come watch me half the time if he had to go do that. So it was like nearly impossible once it was 24 hours to, and and I couldn't even get out of the house myself for more than an hour half the time if I was lucky and could go out that day at all. Yeah. That's amazing. So you, I mean, it's, I think it's an incredible story. And, um, I think agents need to hear these type of stories because in my experience with running lab code agents and, and, and dealing with a hundred thousand agents on Facebook, you know, complaining about things in their life that are affecting their business. And I think everybody goes through things, right? I'm not putting things that people go down in any way, right? right? But you have to really think about is what you're going to going through, you know, something that that's just life, right? right? Or is it something that could potentially and just everything, right? Yeah. So really think about that and, and think about how you're going to react to it. And so Krista reacted to it by recovering and having just this, just this amazing will to, to, to live and succeed because you said that you, you know, you didn't, you didn't, you, you were thinking about how much you didn't accomplish, right? Like, is this going to be it? Right. Right. And the other piece of it too, so I'll tell you this, and it sounds so cliche, but understand it is so important. I think this is a lot of, this is a big piece of what everyone is missing, especially in this industry when they're struggling. It's really your mindset that comes into play because the rest won't happen until your mind is right. So understand that while I was going through that, I actually was already in my real estate course and understand that my brain was actually jumbling information. Mm-hmm. So I was showing up every month to go take this test, and I would be off by two questions, even with a half-working brain. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, I would show up with migraines just because I had the commitment. I said I was going to be there. I am not going to quit just because this got in my way. So I'll be honest with you. I failed the test five times. On the fifth time was when I came back from treatment, and that was actually the last time I could take it with that course. So I went back and I retook the entire, I came out of that. First of all, I came out of failing that and was so pissed, so pissed. (laughs) I I ran out to my husband. He was like, are you okay? And I said, I'm letting you know right now we're going home. I'm signing up. I'm getting on the course. I'm doing it in two weeks and I'm coming back here. (laughs) So I was so, so torqued. I was, I was so close. I wasn't going to stop. And Part of what helped me do that, honestly, I remembered during that rough time, because I realized, you know, the doctors, 
all that stuff. Even sometimes my husband, because it was a rough situation, not everyone believed that I would ever get better. I, on the other hand, <laughs> thought I would get better because I, I kind of, I just made it, uh, I had to believe that. I mean, I went out, I bought a pair of running shoes. I couldn't even walk. I used to love running before that. I went and bought a pair of ASICs and my husband's like, why do you want to go wear ASICs when you can't even go run? That's an, I said, I'm going to run. And at the cashier lady actually asked, yeah. me, you know, like, Oh, you're going to go run a race. I said, I actually can't run right now, but I will. I, I can't, I can't hardly walk, but I will. I'm going to run one day. And Are I you do running? Run. Do you run now? I run with those same shoes every day. But honestly, the lesson that I learned about mindset came from Eric Thomas so something I remembered in the very early stages was this speech he did to these middle schoolers, might've been high schoolers, but he was telling them a story about a guru and this one kid and the guru said, you want to learn how to make a lot of money, you know, to the kid and the kid goes, yeah, yeah, I want to learn that. So they go out to a beach. He says, meet me at the beach tomorrow morning. So he goes out there, you know, he gets his bathing suit on and stuff. And he's like, all right, come out to me in the water. So he goes out into the water and he's like, yo, dude, you know, <laughs> I don't see how this is tying into me making any money. Like, so all of a sudden the guru just throws his head underwater and he holds him there. And then by the time he lets him up, the dude is gasping for air. So the kid goes, yo, dude, like, what were you doing? You're trying to kill me. And the guru goes, when you were down there, what was the only thing you could do or wanted to think about? And he said, well, I wanted to breathe. And the guru said, it, um, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. And I just remembered that speech during that time. And I realized that in, in everyone's life, not even just me for that moment, but there comes a point where things get really, really hard. And that's when you have to actually make a decision if you're going to be a champion or you're just going to be average and let it completely blindside you. So good. I'm not even going to add to that because it's <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, I mean, it. it's really, it's really important because the rest falls into place. So, and just to even add to that, I was told by multiple doctors, I was going to have to go on full disability and that I needed to get realistic about it. And I needed to just relax at home. I needed to just stop be obsessing, stop Googling, stop doing this. Um, I actually ended up finding a functional neurologist that actually completely reversed everything. And so obviously I'm not slurring right now. I actually run 10 miles cause I'm crazy. <laughs> you, <laughs> you wait, know? you run 10 miles a day? Not a day, but like a week. Every other week. <laughs> oh, okay. I gotcha. So 10 miles yeah. every other week. Awesome. So, Hey, let's talk about, let's talk about your first day on the job, right? Cause it's, yeah. it was really only about a year ago or so. Right. Um, Tell me about, you know, you came into the office or I don't know if you came into the office or not, but how did you decide? Because you and Luke, you and Luke really doubled down on expires and FISBOs. You got Barino's expired plus program. You doubled down on learning how to convert those. So was that like kind of the first thing you decided to do or what was your plan of attack on your, on your first day? How did you want to go about getting business? So in January was actually when we implemented Barino. So I had come in in August, so I had actually watched my husband over the years because, you know, I would help with a few things like, you know, social media posts, that kind of stuff. But I just noticed that whenever my husband was calling people, 
he seemed to get a better return on investment kind of with his time. So (laughs) I came in and I just knew like, I need to get on the phones. It's the cheapest way. And it just makes sense. Every time he's got on the phones, business went up. So I came in on that first week and I told my husband, I'm going to get on the phones. I actually made a little bit of a, um, a a challenge with him. Cause he's like, you know, Krista, like, why don't you start with buyers? Just start with buyers to get a feel for it. And I said, well, I've been watching you. So like, I'll make a deal with you. I still want to do listings. So I said, how about if I get a listing within, so they say the first six months, you know, you get your listing and close on it, whatever. So I said, I'll, I'll make a deal with you in a month. If I get one, one listing, you'll let me, you're not going to bring this up again. Like I'm just going to also do listings at the same time. So he goes, no, no, I, that's not, no. So I was like, okay, I'll make a deal with you. I'll make it even harder too. I'll do two listings. You leave me alone. So he's like, okay, that's fair. Like he's probably thinking a newbie is not going to get two listings in the first month. So I got on the phones in that first week. I think I did 170 dials a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it close to 30 contacts every day. I spent a lot of time on the phone <laughs> and Within the first day, I got my first appointment, which turned into my first listing, which was a Frank Lloyd Wright inspired home. (laughs) And then the second one I got that same week. So needless to say, Luke (laughs) shut up really quick and just let me do my thing after that. Yes. I mean, honestly, a lot of agents think you need to spend money like to get, you know, systems and leads right away. No, just get on the phones, perfect how you get people on the phones. And then when you get to that point, you can totally move on to those other things. Yeah. So the thing is, you know, getting into real estate, it can be expensive, right? People right. are always like, how do I get business? How do I get business? And, you know, you invest in something like Espresso Agent, which is a dialer that has data for expires and FISBOs. I think they also have, you know, neighborhood data too, if I'm not mistaken. But the cool thing about it is, I mean, yeah, it's going to cost you like like 200-ish bucks a month. But if you utilize it and the information and data that they give you and you practice your scripts, you know, you're, you're going to set the appointments and it is, it is a numbers game. So Chris is saying how, you know, she called hundreds of people a day and maybe you set one appointment, but you know, that one appointment, you know, a 300 ish thousand dollar house. I don't know what your price point is in Kalamazoo, <laughs> but is it less than that? Cause you did have a $750,000 <laughs> listing from, yeah. ex, from expired. <laughs> That's not a typical day here. You're not a typical day, <laughs> but you know, it's an inexpensive way to start your real estate business, that and nurturing your sphere of influence, which I'm really big on. So you got on the phones did, and you, and I would assume you weren't even really that polished in your scripts because you just started, right? Right. And that's, I think where a lot of people trip up. And, and I think people are so shocked when they hear how long I've been in, but it's like, it's not about perfecting it. I mean, you'll perfect it over time, but you're not going to perfect it by not doing it. So you, you'll, you'll find when you just get on the phone and you start doing it and you have those awkward growth moments, those awkward moments where you're like, oh, why did I say that? And you hang up real quick and go on to the next person. Yeah. You said was weird. I mean, you have to go through all of that. Yeah, my scripts were not perfect. I actually don't think I had practiced any before I even got on there. But I just knew that I had to get on there and it was necessary. So I just went and did it. I think that's a huge lesson, right? So, so many people, it, they prepare to prepare. You know what right. I mean? And then they don't move because they don't do it forever. Yeah. You just, over, you just <laughs> overthink the whole thing. 
I, I was never really a big, big cold caller, but I do know that when I was making calls, I, I did much more business. It was just, I was more of like a warm lead internet lead generator and sphere of influence. But when I was calling expireds, you know, it definitely made a difference. Um, but that's interesting, right? So like, don't overthink it, you know, pick up the phone. The only way you're going to learn is just by doing it and you're going to screw up the first couple hundred times, but then you're going to, pers- you're going to perfect your script and your approach, which I think is a huge lesson. So let's talk about now you guys are starting to kind of grow a team, right? Like right. you're, you're, you're very listing heavy, which is awesome. And so I remember you telling me you're, you're hiring a, a showing assistant or you have hired a showing assistant. Oh, we had a showing assistant that is actually our buyer's agent now because she got that busy with us. That's um, awesome. Okay. Alicia. She's amazing. Alicia. Okay. Yeah literally not one complaint from anybody, which, which that was a big thing. And this is, comes back to leveraging. We were really nervous about sending our buyers with somebody else and how they would react to that because we were worried about the whole, well, I don't want to be handed off to somebody type thing. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. but, but honestly, when there's ways around it and when you learn to let go, our business actually grew by letting go of that piece when it was time, because what was happening before that was we would get so much business that we were servicing all that business and it cut into our lead generation time. Again, just because we grew, we did not stop lead generating. We still lead generate every single morning, even though we do have some sync leads now. Those are first and foremost. You say sync commissions, Inc.? Yep. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I probably should. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you meant like kitchen sink. Yeah, kitchen sink is a great way to- Great way, um, kitchen sink (laughs) leads. I don't imagine those are very good. No. Okay. Cleaning dishes. But yeah. (laughs) So it's just really, it's really important that you realize when you get to that point where you're so like, and and this is after making sure there's no room in your schedule that you could be squeezing in, of course, you know, Um, if you can make your schedule better, then you should definitely do that first and then see if that helps any, but you know, when you get to that point, you have to hand it off or you're going to get stuck in the same spot and wonder why you're not hitting the goal that you wanted for the next three years because you just can't imagine handing something off to somebody. So that does definitely answer the question I asked before, how you're leveraging systems and people. So you had an influx of buyer leads and you wanted to focus on listings. And so you hired uh, a showing agent. Was that showing agent in your office or did you hire her from outside of the different brokerage? So she was actually from our market center, believe it or not. We just noticed that she came in every morning and guess what? She was calling every single day um, on the phones. She, we could see hear her right outside our door and um, she would always be on the phones every single morning, no matter what. So we realized this is a self-starter and even if she wasn't reaching the goals she wanted to reach, she still showed up every morning, even if she didn't reach the goals she wanted to reach. And that's valuable in a person, you know, that is so good. I love that you guys are growing and you're outpacing your goals. And I think it's super important. And I definitely wanted to have you on here to talk about what you went through in your life and those obstacles, because this podcast isn't necessarily about what failures you're making in your business. It's also about obstacles in your life that you have to overcome that just kind of in, in a weird way, make you a better person, right? Like you were facing death and you were like, oh my gosh, like what am I, what, what have I done? Right. And so you, you, you heal and then you're like, I got to make a difference. I got to make a change. I got to support my family. I got to yeah. crush it. Right. And so Absolutely. that's what you're doing. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing too, is like, I think people view obstacles wrong 
right? So they view an obstacle and they go, oh my gosh, here's another obstacle. Everything happens to me. Something that changed in my thinking as time went on, because as you know, I also didn't have the easiest childhood either. So I got pummeled a lot (laughs) throughout my, I'm almost 26. Man, I almost forgot my age, Nick. (laughs) But you know, I got pummeled a lot growing up. So I started realizing the more I went through and overcame, the more people came to me and said, that's amazing. Didn't know you could do that. I'm in the same situation. And, you know, I'm inspired now. I, I think I can do this now because you did it. So look at obstacles as an opportunity to get a crowd of people that think it's not possible. Like if you can overcome that, you just opened a door for hundreds, thousands, millions of other people that thought it couldn't be done when you overcome the obstacle. So when you start doing it for other people and not yourself, if you do it for a bigger why, then you'll be impressed with how much you can accomplish. And I think I credit a lot of that to where I am today. I I honestly come into work and knowing that I, you know, because, you know, I, I, again, I have been through some pretty abusive situations. So I know kids in my spot right now will see me hopefully eventually <laughs> well, somewhere let's go, awesome. yeah let's go back a little bit because I wanted to touch on that so I mean you know yeah. you 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 know you had a family growing up that really wasn't supportive of your goals and your aspirations and right. so continuously being told that you're not going to accomplish anything or amount to anything can really especially when you're a kid I mean that's those are the most important times of your life like think about kids right like they don't even think about how they're going to accomplish something. You talk to like my four-year-old or your kids. How old are your kids? Oh, so my oldest is nine and the other is two. Okay, so two, maybe not yet, but my four-year-old and even the nine-year-old, like my four-year-old, I go, Gus, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, he wants to be a police officer, an astronaut, a scientist, a veterinarian. You know what I mean? He wants to be all of those things and he doesn't stop to think about whether or not he's going to be able to accomplish it because there's not a question in his mind that he will. Right. And so when you are told that you can't, it's very, very hard to overcome that. So just talk to us a little bit about, you know, how, how you didn't have the support growing up. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had a stepdad and a mom who it would kind of not, they wouldn't come out straight away and kind of be like, you're not doing that. It would be more like presented as that's ridiculous. The idea that's kind of ridiculous. Like, you know, that's not realistic. I was actually told as a kid by my stepdad, and this was met in a negative way. Like Krista, if you're going to be weird and not be like everyone else, just realize like everyone's going to treat you differently. And (laughs) today I actually have twisted that and realized to be you know, if I was like everyone else, I wouldn't grow anywhere. So I've, I've actually flipped that. So thanks for that. I'll give you credit for that one. Yeah, being weird, <laughs> being weird is the best. I'm super weird. I love being, who wants yeah. to be normal? Dude, nobody. But nobody. yeah, so like, and you know, he told me I wasn't a marketable wife as what? a kid. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to be a very marketable wife. So, you know, like I wasn't a good, I guess, Susie homemaker. And, and he's right. I'm not, I'm much more... And, you know, shout out to all the moms who do stay at home because I've done that before. That is really hard compared to my job, just so you all know. But the hardest you know, job in, yeah, hardest job in the yeah, world. I'm for so sure. much more than he thought I was, you know. And I, you know, I had a lot of hardships, not just from him, but from my brother, which you know, that story 
behind it. Um, you know, my brother betrayed me in a very big way and actually did end up going to jail for it. Yeah. So I ended up being a teen mom at some point as well, um, when I was 16 years old and, you know, my husband's amazing. He actually adopted my daughter, which is our oldest, but you know, I was kind of on my own there and something my stepdad loved to throw at me was statistics. So, you know, statistically, you can't do this. Statistically, you can't do that. When I became a teen mom, I got statistics from everyone. You know, statistically, you're not going to be able to do this now. You're not going to graduate with your friends in high school. You're not graduating on time. You're going to get your GED. And I just remember getting, this was like the point where I finally got pissed off. (laughs) And I was just kind of like, you know, are people going, I didn't care about myself because I knew I could take it. Obviously, I made it up to that point in my life. But I'm like, there are statistics about teenage mom daughters. And I didn't want people going to my daughter because I knew they would eventually and being like, well, your mom did. So that means you're probably going to do it. It's going to be really hard for you to overcome this. You probably won't um, because of who your mom is, which is just baloney, but whatever. (laughs) So I realized they're always going to leave those comments with my daughter. So the best thing I can do to guard against that is be something great and more than what they're saying I am so that she can say, no, you know, my mom did this and they told her she couldn't because the same statistics that you're trying to tell me right now, but my mom proved that no matter what, you can overcome any statistic or any opinion. Things can be done that people once told you that you couldn't, which by the way, my stepdad told me I would never be a business person, that it was unheard of. I was an artist and that was what I was going to be. So I sharpened my own skills and I got in here and I just worked at it every day. And I realized how wrong everyone is about what you can be. You can literally be whoever you want to be if you put your own mind to it. And by the way, did graduate on time with my class. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So in your face. I love it. I love it. It's It's an amazing story of inspiration and motivation and triumph and overcoming and just everything. You've been through what most people have been through in a lifetime just in 27 years, 26 years. But I I think back on it. And like I was saying earlier, it's, you know, different things that people are going through right now. And I just hope they see that just so they understand they don't have to be the person everyone else is telling them they have to be. It's the best. All right. So listen, let's wrap it up. And I want to ask you, what, you know, what do you guys see? What do you see for your team with you and Luke and your buyer agent? What do you see in the next three to five years? Where do you guys want to be? What are your goals, aspirations? Do you want to take Jeff Glover's job and own that market center? <laughs> you know, you know anything, really... <laughs> anything. <laughs> well, I mean, Jeff Glover is a legend, so I don't think we could ever replace him, which but if, honestly, if people don't know, if people don't know, Jeff Glover is Krista's operating principal. He owns the market center that Krista works out of, and Jeff's the number one agent in Michigan. And um, Krista is going after his job. So Jeff, just in case you heard that, <laughs> you heard it here. Krista's going after your job. No, but honestly, where do you guys see yourself in the next five years for your team and in your life and business? Um. So I, you know, with my husband, I know he definitely wants to see our numbers grow. Like we would. We would love to be selling, definitely next year, we would love to attempt to sell 100 homes. That'd be amazing. 
but we would really love to sell thousands. That'd be amazing too. So we don't really have like a ceiling or anything like that for how big we want to grow. For me personally, it's not even how big I want my business to grow. I love the idea that the bigger that we get, the more people we can have come onto our team. And it's the more people that we can help show them how great they can be on their own. So sharpening their own sales skills, showing them what they're strong at, and then helping them with their weaknesses. So for me, it's more the coaching, the impact that I can have uh, running a team and then helping them help others underneath them um, or agents that are struggling. So for me, growing means helping more people and it puts me on a bigger platform to do that. That is so good. And so I, I, I agree with you a million percent. You know, when you want to grow something, you want to grow a team, you want to grow an organization, you want to grow an office, a brokerage market center, you got to put other people first. You know, you got to make sure that they're successful before you are. And I think that the, you guys are on the right track. 100 and 50%. Well, I said a million percent. So I'm going to keep it at a million percent. <laughs> awesome. So, so listen, Krista, I really love that you are here. I just want to, I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast. I think there's a lot of stuff to take away about victim mentality and limiting belief and just overcoming obstacles. And if you are listening on Spotify, go ahead and follow us on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to this so you can keep track of when new episodes pop up every week or so. And so thank you so much. Leave us a review, send it to your friends, share it with an agent, share it with an entrepreneur who you think is going to benefit. Someone who just needs to step it up and stop making excuses. This is the one that you want to send them. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of Real Estate Rewind. Before we go, Krista, if anyone has questions for you, where can they get in touch? So you can do Krista Schrader at kw.com or you can call us at 269-888-3580. Well, they can also find you on Facebook because you're and, on Facebook. Yeah, uh, you know I'm on Facebook. Yeah, so <laughs> she's also on Facebook, Krista Schrader. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Krista, thank you for being here. We will see you next time on Real Estate Rewind. Hope you liked this week's show. Feel free to share it with anyone looking to improve their career and their bottom line as a real estate agent. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are posted. Real Estate Rewind with Nick Baldwin. Real Estate Unwound.